Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hot fight with Hunter Withrow underway on this Friday edition. Glad you're with us across OutKick. Includes our YouTube channel. Search out OutKick. Hope you'll subscribe to the channel. Join Chad in the chat live today as we go into the Labor Day weekend. College football kicking off. Uh, we've got you covered throughout uh, the afternoon uh, from uh, all up, up until 6 p.m. Eastern here. Chad, a, a jam-packed show. Kelly in Vegas joins us with the latest spreads and odds going into college football on uh, tonight and tomorrow as we get the full slate. We'll uh, get her top picks. We'll need to follow her advice compared to what we did last night. Danny Cannell will join us in hour number two. Plus, we have the top 10 games for your college football weekend later in today's show. Chad, good afternoon. I've been in such a dry spell betting lately. I agree. Same. That the fact that I just won NC State UConn oh. just made my night. Parade. Yeah, because I, I, that's what I put the most money on. And the fact that it happened and I'm sweating it out. <laughs> Watching the final drive, saying, please just take a knee here, NC State. Please just take a knee. Don't bust a big run and ruin this for me. I feel good about things, and Kelly in Vegas is going to make us feel even better about the weekend. Speaking of uh, final drives, that's where we start with our top headlines of the afternoon. Scorch Earth here on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. Minnesota, they come from behind after a, a, an interception against Sims and Nebraska holding the lead. And uh, prior to that, a great uh, toe drag by Daniel Jackson to score for Minnesota. They come from behind and win on a last-second walk-off field goal, 47 yards. And the Golden Gophers take uh, a 1-0 advantage in the win column. Meanwhile, Nebraska, another one-score loss uh, on the road when they had this game at hand. Three interceptions for Jeff Sims, who's the transfer from Georgia Tech. Throws an interception in the, the final three minutes of the game that leads to that game-winning drive. And, Chad, here is uh, the aggressive defensive backs picking off Sims in what was an egregious interception, the third one especially. And Minnesota escapes with a victory that no one saw coming. I flipped over in the final three minutes or so uh, after watching Utah-Florida. And for a boring game, 13-10 the final, the finish was fantastic. It was a weird game in that I, I ended up watching most of it because uh, my wife Angie's a huge Nebraska fan, so I had a hard time pulling away from that game. It was not boring. It was low scoring. Uh, but it was, I mean, razor's edge the entire game. Um, Jeff Sims just really disappointed me. We're going to have Danny Cannell on a little bit later. I got to watch a lot of his coverage on CBS Sports Network last night. Did a great job pregame and postgame of that UConn-NC State game. But he harped on this, and everyone has harped on, on this, this fact with Sims. It's not the fumble by the running back that led to the tying score. It's not the late interception by Jeff Sims, while bad, that I'm going to remember. It's right before the end of the first half. Mm. <clears throat> Throw the ball away. Good Lord. That was a horrific decision. He had 87, a tight end, wide open in the front of the end zone, and instead throws it into triple coverage. 
in the back of the end zone. I can understand maybe not seeing one guy, but there were two guys sitting on the route. Lobs it right in for the easiest interception you're going to see, and that's where Nebraska did not get points going into the half. Throw the ball away, kick a field goal. It's 3-3 three to three at the break. Instead, you're down 3 nothing. Now Nebraska had the nice trick play, the throwback from Sims, where he dropped it, picked it up, and still wide open in the end zone. And I thought that the Huskers played okay as a seven-point underdog on the road and should have won. It's just another kick in the crotch to one of the best sports fan bases in America. The night before, they had 92,000 people show up to a women's volleyball match. Nebraska fans, and they traveled. There were times you almost had to have Minnesota calm the Nebraska yeah. fans down. And it's they not, like, so loud it's in not that like it's an embarrassing performance. It's just no. another single-digit loss. It's Bruce crazy. Feldman uh, pointed that out last night. They've lost 20 of their last 24 games decided by single digits. I'm going to talk a little bit about it later, but, I mean, it, it's maybe unprecedented what we've seen from Nebraska and their inability to shut the door in a close game. It is This is a program remarkable. where you do believe in superstition. Yeah, you know, I, I or you have to if you don't. I, I don't normally buy into that kind of stuff, no. but I mean, it's a program in yeah. need of a seance or an exorcism. <laughs> I, I don't <laughs> know does. what the deal is because I'm, I'm thinking uh, Angie's sitting there. Oh well, the, here it goes. They're going to lose close. Here we go. And I'm thinking, oh, it's Matt Rule. It's not Scott Frost. It's not Mike Riley. This dude was successful at Temple. Successful at Baylor. Look at how calm he is on the sideline. It's going to be fine. Even, you know, pregame and halftime, he's not this uptight, insecure guy. He's not going to, you know, white-knuckle this thing to the right. end and lose. They're going to take on more of his personality, and they did not. They took on the personality of Nebraska football over the last decade, which is choke, which is lose close games. That is their identity right now. Chad, the identity of Florida did not look great. And uh, for the most part, if you had spectrum, and especially in the state of Florida – uh, I don't know if it's a, a blessing or a curse or, you know, uh, maybe uh, a situation where you're glad that the game was blacked out. But Disney and Spectrum in a contract dispute, Disney had the decision made to pull the game and throw up a, a graphic that just said, sorry for the inconvenience, but we're in a contract dispute with Spectrum. Uh, contact your local cable provider and uh, lobby on behalf of you wanting to watch the college football game. They pulled it. At 7 o'clock on the dot after pregame coverage led up to kickoff with U Utah and Florida. Uh, ended up being a game where Utah dominates uh, from the opening possession, first play. Uh, Barnes with the bomb. Utah just looked totally different. And it's a complete 180, Chad, as we come here the next morning and afternoon after the Florida performance in week one last year with Billy Napier. It was all downhill from that first performance that we saw. Now... As we see Graham Mertz, who was just blah, uh, Napier with the coaching mishaps and two number threes on the field on fourth and three that gives an automatic first down. It looks sloppy. Meanwhile, Kyle Whittingham is known for preparation, and it looked that way for Utah. The Utes dominate, and Florida now is the discussion of the opposite of what they were at this time last year, which is, man, maybe they do have some trick in the bag. It doesn't appear as so this year offensive line and quarterback not good Hutton let me start with this spectrum dispute with uh with Disney and ESPN last night this is a play in two parts this is a text from my mother Deborah Withrow okay. last night 7 26 p.m you ready says we are not able to get ESPN or ESPN through through spectrum 
They are negotiating. To which I responded and said, well, Mom, that's a huge blow. Go to your ESPN app on your Fire Stick and you can watch there. My mother responds, oh, I know, just frustrating. Tom wanted to go to Utah game during break with Nebraska. You see? Here's a problem. Mm. Going back and forth with a Fire Stick and having to go to the ESPN app as opposed to just hitting previous channel. When you have cable, you know, the good old days, like five years ago, when you could do that with no problem. Then my mother changes the subject and says, we flipped to Braves and Acuna hit Grand Slam on his wedding day. Then Riley hit home run. I said, turning it over now. My mother responds, they just got out of inning. Ronald got married this morning, <laughs> which I said was weird, but you know, whatever. Um, had no idea that was happening congratulations. In, in LA. So congratulations to Ronald Acuna. That's a story we'll get to later. So that was my understanding of the Spectrum Disney dispute last night and how I got the news was from my mom. On to the Florida-Utah game. Well, real quick, real quick. Even your mother is noticing now, and I, I think this is... A, well, it happened a, yesterday. They well, pulled the plug on, on that day for a reason. Well, I, but a great example of football and contract disputes. It can You're going quickly. to notice what's going to happen during football season. It happened during the preseason with DirecTV and Nexstar. And it's happening right now with Disney and with Charter and Spectrum, uh, the company, where Disney's saying we want fair market value with uh, the, the rights to these games. Spectrum is saying, hey, uh, we want ad space within the ESPN Plus and the online and streaming services. And that's where the middle ground has not been met. But it's football that brings on the discussion and the confusion and the uh, pissed off for greatness mentality of the fan bases that are tuning in and realizing this has been going on as a negotiation for a while. My mom, Debbie Withrow included, pissed off for greatness based on their decision to do that uh, to start a football season. And the fact my dad couldn't hit previous channel and just go back and forth between Nebraska, Minnesota, and Utah, Florida. On, on to that game, though. Florida looks like a very poorly coached team. At least they did last night. And, and that's the disturbing part to me. Uh, you've got the two number threes on the field. On the punt return, Billy Napier explained it as, well, we had punt safe on, and I guess the message didn't get out. That one guy's supposed, guy supposed to come off on punt safe, and he didn't. That's on us. That's something that's within our control that we can correct. When Herbstreit said one of the guys was supposed to be in 33, and he was in three. Weird. That's what they said during yeah, the broadcast. I guess the, the, their roster showed that, that he's supposed to be in a different number. Yeah. Um, maybe they had, I, I don't know, maybe they had some sort of trickeration where they were going to put a different number three out there but not have them on the field at the same time. Um, nine penalties, 45 yards. You know, you had three, uh, three fourth down turnovers in the second Five half. Five sacks, I believe. One touchdown in all those trips into the red zone. Mm -hmm. You know, Graham Mertz, his overall stats look okay. 31 for 44, over 300 yards, touchdown, interception. But the fact Florida could not run the football at all in this game, and he racked up yards but could not finish in the red zone, really bad debut in what is an important season for Billy Napier. Now, we should also say the caveat is here, it is one game. Overreaction. Just and like we, we did seen, last year. We overreacted a year ago to Florida beating Utah. Yes. So I'm going to be the first one to pump the brakes on Florida's dead and Billy Napier's a bad coach, but all we can go by right now is what we've seen through one game. And what I saw in that game was Kyle Whittingham outcoached Billy Napier and Florida well, looked like an undisciplined, poorly coached football team. It looked like, to me, Florida was the one without some starters in that game, not Utah. Utah was missing more than just their quarterback. 
and they came out ready to go. You know, the first play where you just knew that. I know they had the kickoff return a year ago that swung momentum early in the game. But with Florida on the road, with all the changes that they've had, especially without Anthony Richardson, to me, it just looked like Utah was far more dominant up front, more confident in their game plan, and a lot of confusion on the Florida sideline. Not, they don't have a, an offensive line. They don't have a special teams coach at Florida. They have two different offensive line coaches. And this is coming from the coach and the, and the, the uh, program that was boasting about they had more analysts than actual players. This was a, a photo from 2022. Uh, you know, you can't find a special teams coach. You have to have so many on the field. Uh, they'd rather use an analyst in that role. And it came back to bite them. Someone's got to be in charge of who's on, who's not, especially if you have the same number. And Herb Street was saying, hey, we, if they were told in the pregame meeting, if so-and-so's out there, he's going to be in 33 because they have so many players wearing the same number. Yeah, and, and that wasn't the case. A conversation with Davey uh, pregame, uh, before the show, he brought this up about Florida. They don't have a special teams coordinator because they have two offensive yeah. line co- coaches. So that's also going to be a, a point of discussion. Watching the broadcast, Kirk Herbstreit's typically not overly critical, but he was pretty blunt in his assessment after one of the Florida penalties saying, this is not a good look for Florida Gators fans. They're not going to be pleased with this. It's not just getting beat by a better team, which Herbstreit acknowledged that may be the case. You know, they're a favorite for a reason, even with a third-string quarterback, but it's looking like the operations of your team are off and you're getting dumb penalties and things like that happening. That That's a big problem for Billy Napier. But again, one game, we saw it a year ago. They look like world beaters. They were the talk of college football after week one. Everybody watched Florida beat Utah, upset Utah in the swamp. And then they played Kentucky at home next week and lost. Right? So they can turn it around very quickly. State is coming to the swamp next week. Yeah, and they'll dominate them. Then they get their crack at Tennessee coming up uh, in in the swamp where Tennessee hasn't won in 20 years. So they've got plenty of chances on the schedule. But 0 for 1 for Billy Napier, and it's not just 0 for 1 losing to a better team. It's 0 for 1 getting manhandled by what appears to be a better team with a third-string quarterback while looking like you can't coach your way out of a brown paper bag. Chad, the ACC has, they've done it. They've added three more programs uh, to their ACC roster. Uh, Cal, Stanford, and SMU headed to the Atlantic Coast Conference. So if you look into the details of their media rights deal with ESPN and Disney, they, the number 15 comes up a lot because there, there's a clause in there for the amount of teams they need to sustain certain aspects of that contract. This now gets them to 18. And if you were to have subtractions of Clemson or Florida State down the road, you still have enough to maintain that contract in certain clauses and in certain areas where you benefit more from the more programming and the more programs you have available for their media partner. Um, SMU is not taking a, 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 a paycheck from the media rights deal for seven seasons. And... It is confirmed Stanford and Cal will take far less, considerably less, than the average team would get on that Tier 1 price. This is a, a survival tactic for all three. The big winner, though, to me is SMU because they've talked their way in. They've lobbied their way in by coming up with a plan that allowed the vote to happen. They needed one more vote. They got it. 
and Chad, that they are now today relevant. I think that's the whole point of why you jump to the Big 12, why you would consider the ACC. If it's good for Cal and Stanford, it's great for SMU. Yeah, it's a win for SMU. In terms of the ACC, I, I don't see this as a win. When the Big Ten added USC and UCLA, that was seen as a big corporate takeover type win, victory. Yeah. When the SEC added Texas and Oklahoma, corporate takeover win, this is boring corporate consolidation. It makes sense from a business perspective. It definitely makes sense for Cal, Stanford, and SMU that they're upgrading. Cal and Stanford didn't really have a home, and SMU is upgrading. But this doesn't have the same pizzazz as what we saw with those other conference realignment moves. Coming up, predictions going into the college football season. We'll tell you who we believe are going to be conference champs and a part of the college football playoff and our favorite to win the Heisman Trophy. All of that straight ahead. College football weekend straight ahead as well. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. Danny Cannell will join us in an hour. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow rolls on across the Outkick Network. Sixth and Peabody, our location for the studio with Outkick. Old Smoky Moonshine, Yeehaw Beer. Big weekend uh, here in, in Nashville, Tennessee and Virginia. And a lot of fans already here in town kicking off the festivities uh, later tonight and early tomorrow. 11 a.m. kickoff, Chad. It's going to be a home game for Tennessee, uh, especially based on the people here at 6th and Peabody right now. It's all a certain shade of orange here in Nashville, and it's not Virginia orange. No, it's not. Kelly in Vegas joins us in about 20 minutes. We'll get her top picks, uh, the host of Bet On It, uh, and we will find out. Based on what I've seen from her, she's taking a lot of points this weekend. So we'll find the underdogs that she's uh, playing this weekend. Chad, uh, it is time for our 2023 college football predictions. We hit on some last year. We missed, swung and missed a lot last year as well. But time to keep tabs on the observations and perception of certain programs that we have in each conference, where we think they're headed versus where they end up at the end of the year. You kick things off for us as we go conference by conference with your top teams that you believe will be the champs at the end of the regular season slate. Let's start uh, in the AA, uh, the ACC, which can now be just called the All Coast Conference, not the Atlantic <laughs> Coast Conference, considering I like that. there are teams on the West Coast also. And my ACC pick for champion, Hutton, will be the Florida State Seminoles. Florida State, uh, I believe uh, they're going to get off to a great start. We'll talk about this game a little bit. Yes. Uh, in, in, in week one, don't know that I'm ready to pull the trigger on the win, but I think they're going to look good just like they did a year ago in beating LSU in that game. LSU got a lot better. Florida State or Mike Norvell, a few years in, looked like it was not going to go well. They really turned it around. Jordan Travis is a legitimate Heisman hopeful at quarterback for the Seminoles. I think we probably overrate teams knocking Clemson off in the ACC in most years. But I believe in this Florida State team. I like their defensive line. I like their quarterback play. I think they've got the depth and talent to get it done. Give me the Seminoles to win the ACC. In the Big Ten, Michigan's the best team in that conference. And I feel like every year I come into the season thinking it's going to be Ohio State and then Michigan has surprised me the last two years. At the end of the season, they're not going to surprise me this year. Blake Corum running the football, J.J. McCarthy running and throwing. They're going to get Jim Harbaugh back after three easy victories to start the season. Give me the Wolverines, no big surprise there, to win in the Big Ten. Big 12, 
this is a big surprise. Texas Tech mm. is going to take a big step up. Texas Tech a year ago, when they just didn't turn the ball over four or more times, which was a big problem a year ago, four turnovers, they were 9-2. and two. Tyler Shuck, uh, it's a weird pronunciation for how the name is spelled, but Tyler Shuck at quarterback, the Oregon transfer, I believe is going to get it done for Joey McGuire and that offense. <clears throat> they lose Donovan Smith to Houston. They get a chance to face Houston and Donovan Smith this season. I like Texas Tech. Here's what I like more than anything in the Big 12. Surprise. This is always a conference where every week you've got multiple toss-up games. There's great parity. It's a league that lends itself to a surprise champion, much like last year with Kansas State. Give me Texas Tech as the big surprise. The Red Raiders get it done this year. In the Pac-12, Washington, uh, Michael Penix Jr. is a terrific quarterback. I like that offense. More importantly, I love how they can stuff the run. Uh, the Huskies are better defensively than most think. I think they get the best of USC, Utah, and other really good teams in a, a conference that is dissolving after this season. Surprisingly good league for football this year. And in the SEC, Hutton, mm. it's the Georgia Bulldogs Conference Yet again. until we're otherwise notified by someone knocking them off. They've got an extremely, for the SEC, an extremely easy schedule. Not easy for everyone, but easy for an SEC team. Especially easy for a program as loaded as Georgia's. Give me the Bulldogs to win another SEC championship. I, I considered every team that you're mentioning there. Uh, even Texas Tech, because of uh, an interesting matchup they have, not this week, but next week, uh, against Oregon. So they've got the former... Oregon quarterback against the Ducks uh, coming up in uh, a matter of, what, seven days, eight days. Chad, uh, we have a lot of opposites, though, uh, for our champions. Uh, in the ACC, I'm just, I'm rolling it back with Clemson. They're two points short a year ago of seven playoff appearances in eight years. Klubnik, Adam Randall, a very talented receiver. Will Shipley at running back. And just knowing that their defense with Trotter and Carter at linebacker their defense is going to win them ball games, not just keep them in, but win them games. And I'm a believer in Klubnik with Shipley as the, the running back, very talented, as we all know. Clemson's back in the ACC. Uh, for the Big Ten, this is Ohio State's year for me. They've got plenty of motivation. Ryan Day, I believe, is getting way too much heat for his performance against Michigan, but... Good news for him. Michigan's more focused on Georgia now based on signs that they're putting up and, and uh, drills that they have during practice. They're focused more on Georgia, which currently is not on their schedule. Ohio State is. I'm taking the, the Buckeyes to win the Big Ten. And uh, on top of that, Chad, uh, another part of that is with what I expect from the run game with uh, uh, Travion, Her uh, Travion uh, Henderson and then Williams as well. Dual threat. Marvin Harrison Jr., I think there's tons of talent there on offense, enough to get it done on defense. Ohio State wins the conference this year. Uh, from the Big 12, you've got Texas Tech. I'm sticking with Kansas State. They didn't make it past TCU in the Big 12 championship game. Kelly and Vegas will be thrilled with this pick. Kansas State for me, grad. Um, based on who's returning and the experience of the, re the, the returning starter at quarterback, that was able to, to step in and win all the way up to the Big 12 championship game. And when I look at the offense, eight returning starters, 
offensive line there is going to be great. Not just good, but great. They can win the line of scrimmage, and they can spin the football down the field. Give me uh, Kansas State in the Big 12. Uh, from the Pac-12, Washington for you, I'm going Oregon. I, I'm a believer in what I saw from Bo Nix. And I learned a lot about Dan Lanning in the way he handled that football team after getting destroyed by Georgia in week one. I just like the, the, the moxie, the preparation, uh, the overall mentality. No one abandoned ship. They look way different after that game. Continued to improve. Uh, some tough games on the slate. And what is a... I, I find it interesting. Neither of us went with USC here. Um, I don't mind the Washington pick. I like them too. I think Bo Nix is in the Heisman discussion sooner rather than later uh, based on the way their schedule plays out. And in the SEC, LSU, I think if you're going to pick a year where you're going against Bama or you're going against Georgia, this is the year to do it. And it's the year to pick LSU because they're a year ahead of where we thought they'd be. And Jaden Daniels returns. Meanwhile, the other programs are bringing new quarterbacks in. And if you don't perform well early on at Georgia, they want you benched. It's not like you have time. I realize the schedule's easy, but it's also about performance. And I'm not high on either quarterback option in Alabama. I know Nick Saban is. That's why no one's concerned. Uh, but give me LSU out of the SEC based on performance from the coach, quarterback, and who they're able to return. You're going with the tie goes to returning quarterback rule for the SEC for the most this year part, yeah. But but also like, I just think LSU was really good. LSU played for the conference title a year ago, and I think they're back and they're talented, extremely talented, based on what we've seen from Brian Kelly. We did not confer with each other on any of these picks, so the not. fact that we were opposite, they like just it. they just worked out that way. We were both contrarian, which we love. So we're going next to playoff picks. Shall I begin? Yeah. My 2024 college football playoff. Avert your eyes if you are an SEC hater <laughs> because you are not going to love what I'm about to do right here with these picks. Number one seed is going to be the Georgia Bulldogs. Number two, the Michigan Wolverines out of the Big Ten. I feel like I'm Greg Gumbel releasing the brackets on Selection Sunday. Yeah. The number three seed out These of the Southeastern Conference. Already leaked an hour ago. Coached by Nick Saban, one of the all-time greats, the Alabama Crimson Tide. The number four seed out of the Pacific Northwest and the Pac-12, which is no longer the Washington Huskies. My Pac-12 champion. I've got them in the playoff. So Georgia, Michigan, Alabama, Washington, which would be Georgia playing Washington, Michigan v. Alabama. My national championship game, again, avert your eyes if you hate the SEC. It's happening, everyone. Again, Alabama versus Georgia for the national title. My national champion, Hutton, the Alabama Crimson wow. Tide. Getting it done. Jalen Milrow, Chris Lowe announced today, he is the starter for Alabama. He's going to shock everyone. They got the dual threat back at Alabama, he's going to run for a lot of yards. He's going to throw for a lot of yards. Alabama, they're back. It's like they never left. They're your 2023 national champion. If you are an SEC hater, you're going to love my college football playoff. Number one seed is my SEC champion, LSU, the LSU Tigers, uh, followed by Clemson. I think Clemson's dominant this year in the ACC. Ohio State, winners of the Big Ten, they're in the college football playoff. And Notre Dame, Sam Hartman at quarterback, 
I I'm, I'm, have recency bias here on what I just saw in Dublin, but also just how they're built and how the schedule plays out. I think Notre Dame has a great shot against Ohio State, and they play in two or three weeks, I believe. It's in September. Ohio State ends up winning the conference, and they get in. Notre Dame is in the college football playoff as well. National championship game, Chad, I've got Ohio State over Clemson. And this is quite the year for Marvin Harrison Jr. and company, uh, a group that's going to put up a ton of points, and I think their defense has to be better. So I'm riding the offense there compared to the Michigan Wolverines and how their season should play out in the meeting against the Buckeyes in November. I, I um, especially given what we saw a year ago when Ohio State was in that playoff, they, should, they had Georgia. They had every chance to beat them and put them away. So it would not surprise me at all if Ohio State gets it done. And this is what we love about predictions. You know, we're probably going to be wrong. Maybe we are. We can come back and make fun of it, but people can pick it apart all you want. I think it's going to be another big year for the SEC. It's always a big year, though. They don't take any years off. If we know one thing about SEC football, it's that there's no years taken off. Well, you Bama loses two games and it's awful. Yeah, you know, it's rebuilding egregious. year. Yeah, same at Clemson, you could say. Chad uh, Heisman Trophy winner for you, and how uh, how do they get it done? There's a consistent, and I, I hate the colors purple and gold, quite frankly, for sports teams. But there's a consistent purple and gold theme for me, and it's not the LSU Tigers. It's with the Washington Huskies. I'm oh. going Michael Penix Jr. As the got to say that name very slow every time. I'm going to go with him as the Heisman Trophy winner, the lefty. Very impressed with him within this offense for Kalen DeBoer a year ago. I think he gets it started. Maybe a game that's in my top ten coming up later. Boise State coming to town uh, in their first game this uh, tomorrow. Big game opening weekend. I, I think Washington is one of the better stories of the season. I think they're going to win the Pac-12. And I think the biggest reason for that is going to be their quarterback. Give him the Heisman Trophy. Second straight year, a Pac-12 quarterback wins the Heisman mm. Trophy, but it's not the guy who won it a year ago. It's Michael Penix Jr. out of Washington. I like that. Hear me out here. Okay. I'm going with Marvin Harrison Jr. And while he's not touching the football in every play, I think there are quarterbacks that will cancel each other out, more or less, in the vote and how you stack and rate. And I'm not going West Coast because I don't think a lot of the Heisman voters watch a lot of West Coast football until the very end of the year. I think the momentum and the eyeballs will be on Ohio State of the group I'm looking at. And I think it's a lot like 2020 with Devontae Smith because you had uh, Trevor Lawrence and Mac Jones as finalists for the Heisman Trophy, but the nod went to Devontae Smith based on his production and his importance to the offense. But you also looked around and you had reason to vote for someone else and the tie didn't go to the quarterback in this instance. It went to the wide receiver. I think we can see that, too. Plus, Harrison's got the momentum and the hype going into the season. And he's playing with his former high school quarterback. I mean, I, I think it kind of writes a great script for what his season should look like. If he puts up more than what he did a year ago, he's winning the Heisman Trophy. And we're pointing to him as the top wide receiver going into the NFL draft. Hutton, I, I was close to picking Caleb Williams to be the first to repeat Okay, uh, since Archie Griffin did it way back in the early 70s. But you know why I didn't? Their defense. And, and bear with me here. I, I think for him to win it, they're going to need to win a national title or be right there be undefeated in the and a chance to win. I know it's given out before them, but be in the playoff, be undefeated. 
he's going to have to surpass what he did a year ago. And part of that is probably going unbeaten. And I think their defense is going to prevent them from doing that. I mean, unlike last year, the expectation is he's in the, he's already in the conversation. He's already back in New York, right? With the Heisman trust. And they would have to, he won it last year just because everyone else kind of canceled out this year. I don't know if the defense really hurts him because he's going to have to put up 40 and 50 points a week. That's going well, to help pad I'm those stats. I'm saying the defense is going to lose him a game. His stats are going to be great regardless. I feel like defense is going to lose them one or two games. That's going to cost him the Heisman. We need to win games this weekend. Kelly in Vegas helps us do that. That's coming up next. Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow across the Outkick Network. Sixth and Peabody, location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Hot Mike with Hunter Withrow rolls on across the Outkick Network. Chad, um, it's not even the first uh, Saturday of the true kickoff to the college football season, and we already need a nice rebound based on our performance last night. Uh, wagering. I just, I'm so bad at gambling right now that the one win I got out of five last night, I'm just holding all my hopes on and thinking that that's the one I talked about on the show. Yeah. That's the one that I'm going to carry through to give me some confidence and momentum over the weekend. The host of bet on it is Kelly in Vegas. And she joins us now on hot Mike. Kelly. Good to see you. How, how did it go last night for you? Hey guys. Uh, well, unlike Chad, I have something called discipline. I missed uh, a good number on Utah. Should have laid the four and a half, went back and forth with some of my guy friends and said, you know what? I missed it. It's okay. Didn't matter anyway. Uh, I've got to play for tonight, but uh, six plays on Thursday night, right out of the gate, Chad. Uh, sounds like we, we need to have some bankroll management lessons here, uh, sir. I need something. I, hey, I will say we just had our, our college football predictions for the year, Kelly, and uh, Hutton picked K-State I did. to win the Big 12. Yep. I wanted to pass that along to you. I, I picked Texas Tech, which I know you're probably going to laugh at because no. you also have Wyoming, right? covering against oh, I Texas do have Tech Wyoming this, this week. week, but you don't think they're going to win touchdowns. Okay. But now I hate my Texas tech pick to win the big 12. Oh, I, nice. may, I may need to revisit that uh, myself. Uh, that's where kindred spirits Hutton. We're kindred spirits. Look at that. Both of us riding the red Raiders all the way to the championship. Uh, I think that they're going to be a really scrappy team. I like Joey McGuire. They returned 17 guys. Um, both sides of the ball. This team is going to be scrappy. They're flying under the radar. But yes, I am on. Uh, I am on Wyoming plus two touchdowns. Yeah, is it still at fourteen? Right on the money there. Last I saw, it was. I, I'd be lying if I said I well, had an odd screen open right now, though. But Texas Tech, uh, Kelly, you you think this is a close game just based on Wyoming and who they're returning? So they are returning several guys. I really like Craig Bull. I think Wyoming last year really took a step back, but I do expect this team to kind of be one of those scrappy underdogs. And I got corrected today on Instagram. It is elevation, not altitude. So the elevation in Laramie is uh, is a tough place to play, especially for athletes coming from Lubbock. And don't forget, who does Texas Tech have on next week? And that's why I like their over seven and a half wins. They play the Oregon Ducks. Maybe this game, yeah, it's hard to look ahead the first game of the season. You want to go 1-0. I think they win by 10. Who was so precious that they had to correct you on elevation versus altitude? That seems very Someone nitpicky. in Wyoming. No, actually not. Just, you know, uh, my, good, my good buddy John always likes to say there's many losers on the internet. So one of those types of guys, you know, anything to uh, somehow discredit me. So now I know it is uh, eleva- elevation, not altitude. I'm curious, Kelly, about betting bias and, and how we sometimes we'll find ourselves 
maybe favoring one situation over, over and over again. It, it kind of paid off for me last night. I, I bet UConn to cover against NC State. I tend to favor the smaller team or the underdog team when they get a bigger program coming to their place. Right? Like every time that happens, I tend to go with that. You've got North Texas covering the six and a half also. I, I love this play, and I tend to always draw my eyes to these games when you have these group of five teams hosting bigger teams. Yeah, I mean, we'll talk, we'll talk about that as well several times over the next few weeks, right? The underdog, the team that everybody counts out, and how much does the big-name Power 5 program really care? I mean, nice cover by UConn, a couple of bad jabs there by the refs to keep NC State up by double digits, but great play by you, so I'm glad you got to catch that ticket. But as far as North Texas goes, this team is, is really great. I, I was kind of shocked to see them part ways with Seth Luttrell, but Eric Morris coming from the Pac-12, coaching at Wazoo last year, he was the offensive coordinator. He knows this Cal Golden Bears team, right? And what do we know about them? They give up a ton of points, 35.2 points per game last season. They don't play any defense. What I think we're going to see from the mean green is a ton of rushing, right? They have a really solid offensive line and they are just going to run that ball down their throat. It's going to be really hot in Denton, Texas tomorrow. Very, very hot. In fact, so I expect Cal not to quite be on their a game. And I had a really good, um, We'll call it an insult. I was going to call them conference lists. You know, the Pac-4. And then the <laughs> ACC came in this morning and did me dirty. Uh, Kelly in Vegas with us on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow here on Outkick. Kelly, uh, a lot of people that I've noticed on social, they're heavy on Washington against Boise State. In what should be a shootout performance, uh, on paper at least, you're also taking the Huskies to cover. You know, I, I like to bet the dogs. That's I get a lot of grief for it until those underdogs went outright and we get that nice plus money. That's just kind of where I've always looked, right? And I never really pay that much attention to some of these big favorites. But throughout the week, I've heard a lot of really sharp guys tell me they liked Washington. I started looking at this a little bit more. And you're going to hear this term a lot over the next, you know, 12 weeks or so square dog. That means they're getting a lot of love from the public. And that's exactly what Boise state is tonight. I think Michael Penix jr. Is an absolute stud Washington. As we know, will be going to the big 10 next year. I think the expectations are really high. And I think the precedent to go out there and play a really tough game tonight is going to be set early. I have Washington win this game by 17. So let's hope that laying 14 does not come back to bite me. I'll follow you. Yeah, I'm, I'm look, we all know I have no discipline, so I'll bet all these games. All right, I, I was parlay. one in five last night. This will parlay. be my parlay for the weekend, no doubt okay, about whoa, it. Okay, whoa, 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 whoa. We, we got to back this up. We're not, we're not doing this every week, Chad. We're going to bet these straight. We're going to walk away. Listen, if we go, no parlays, six, if we go six and four this week, okay, the only types of parlays I do are money line parlays. So we can get into that throughout, uh, you know, the course yeah. of the season, but – and parlays are absolute soccer bets. Everybody knows it. That's why you're looking at two. <laughs> exactly. We, we didn't never claim to be good at gambling. Yeah. We, we just, we like to do it. Now what I need we like Kelly, to really gamble. at some point, maybe not now, but next week for parlay purposes, even if it, and you're right, it is a sucker bet, but even if that's so, I want like your confidence pool, like the top two uh, or three that okay. you feel best about. And then I'll parlay. I'm not going to parlay all eight of these 
that you're no, playing you this weekend. Uh, but I, I will parlay the top two or three. And just to show the depth that you'll go to on the college football schedule on the weekend, give us why you're taking Toledo plus nine and South Alabama plus six. These are not the top so, tier games most people are looking at. You're right, but it's week one and you got to dig deep, right? We have these monster spreads. We see USC favored, favored by like 38 and a half. Like I'm looking for dog, like underdogs that can win the game outright. So if you want to parlay, what you should parlay is North Texas money line, South Alabama money line, and Toledo money line. But we'll get into that in a minute. Uh, I think Tulane's... Uh, Bridges have gotten a little too big down there in New Orleans. I mean, we know they just beat USC in the Cotton Bowl. And, hey, this team is, you know, fighting for, uh, you know, getting a little bit more respect. But I think regression's coming for Willie Fritz's squad. They lost nine players to the NFL. And I I just think that they might be looking ahead to Ole Miss next week. Are they going to really get up for South Alabama? And there's only like two hours between these two schools. So I do think that there's going to be a ton of Jaguars fans who travel there. Coach Womack has 18 starters return. 16 of them are sixth-year seniors. Uh, You're going to hear me talk about that a lot. Obviously, that kind of uh, team where they are significantly older, we saw it with Georgia, you know, winning back-to-back national championships. That is an advantage here. So South Alabama has been scrappy for me as an underdog over the last couple of years. I'm going to ride with them again here. We know as far as sorry, go ahead. No, hit it. No, I was going to say, as far as Toledo goes, really quick, Illinois, great underdog, terrible favorite. Uh, I like Brett Bielema, but I'm not sure about this uh, Ole Miss transfer quarterback he's got here, and I could be dead wrong, but uh, the MAC schools have been not great to me. They're not a conference I traditionally follow, but Toledo caught my radar, caught on my radar. The Rockets, I think, have a great offensive output. We've seen them come out in these road openers over the last 12 seasons and cover spreads. Maybe they can uh, go into Champaign and win this one. We know the the betting problems with Iowa and Iowa State. Northern Iowa's probably doing it too, but we haven't heard crap about them. Uh, And you would say if they were happening, if they pull out their app on the way to the stadium tomorrow, you would take Northern Iowa plus eight and a half against Iowa State. Iowa State, man, they are in just disarray. I I was a big Matt Campbell fan when he got hired a couple of years ago. I took their season win total under. I got obliterated for it. Everybody thought they were going to be Big 12 champs. It's a tough place to recruit. You ever been to Ames, Iowa in November? I don't plan to. (laughs) Uh, No, and I I would not recommend it. Let me tell you how many uh, birthdays uh, 10-year-old, 12-year-old, 14-year-old Kelly lost and was miserable (laughs) in Ames, Iowa. Like every other year. It was just terrible because that's what Iowa State does. They're a great underdog late in the year. They're not, they're not, they don't need to be laying a ton of points. Should they absolutely beat up on a Northern Iowa team? Sure. Are they going to? Mm, I guess we're going to find out. So, so as we're doing this right now, Kelly, I just parlayed North Texas, Toledo, South Alabama money line. I put yes. $3 down. That will pay $98. There you go. If okay, those three underdogs win outright. Yeah. yeah, it was like 38 to 1. We're going to hit like one that. this season. Unfortunately, last year, uh, Will Levis kind of hurt us uh, there in Oxford. Otherwise, we had it under wraps. But one of those kind of things goes our way. We're going we're gonna to hit one of these, and uh, hopefully everybody will be very happy. Uh, a game that uh, people are talking about more than Northern Iowa, Iowa State this weekend will be LSU and Florida State on Sunday night, Kelly. What, what do you think about this matchup, a game everyone's going to be watching? You know, it's tough. I uh, reside in the state of Florida most of the year. I've seen Florida State in action several times over the last few years. 
I'm not a big Mike Norvell fan. I, I don't understand some of his coaching blunders now, coupled with the fact that everybody thinks they're going to be in the college football playoff. They're trying to give Jordan Travis the Heisman. There's a lot of hype with this team. On the flip side, Brian Kelly, not a fan of him personally, but we have to give him credit here as a head coach. Last year, as you remember, they were down 24 to 10. LSU came roaring back, lost on a last second PAT. Rough way to go out. I'm going to tell you this. We know that some sharp money came in on the under, and that's how I'm going to be playing this one. I know everybody wants to see a shootout on Sunday night, but I'm going to be cheering for the opposite. Hopefully a snooze fest like last night, Florida, Utah, or even worse, Minnesota, Nebraska. <laughs> Which quarterback do you take, Rattler or May, in North Carolina, South Carolina? Ooh. So I think that's the other thing interesting about Spencer Rattler. I do like Shane Beamer. Obviously, Mac Brown is the uh, – that, you know, the tenured head coach, right? He has more wins than any other coach right now in FBS, which is awesome. I think Spencer is more athletic, but I think that Drake May has a better quarterback IQ. If I had to play it, I'd lay it with the Tar Heels. I'm not going to get involved in that game. Uh, neutral site in Charlotte should be absolutely electric, but I wouldn't be surprised to see a shootout there. Do you normally take, if, if the spread's like 28 to 30 points in these blowout games, do you normally take the points? No, actually, historically, especially week one, we've seen that these usually come to fruition, right? Spreads above 35 and a half points are hitting almost a 60% clip historically. I don't like to step in front of some of these teams. I think it kind of varies, like, depending on, like, let's look at USC last week, right? They should have absolutely throttled San Jose State, but they still don't know how to play defense. So those types of numbers usually just scare me away. They don't really ever make my card. You got to really kind of get the insight there, right? Uh, usually if they're a big spread, let's say in SEC country, like we've seen with Alabama and teams like Missouri or Arkansas years ago where they were absolutely horrible. Yeah, I'm going to take the dog there because eventually guys like Saban are actually going to call off the dogs. These kind of coaches like Lincoln Riley, and, and we've seen the likes of these more high-powered offenses, they have to keep their foot on the gas because their defenses don't ever help them out. Kelly in Vegas has Kelly, been with us, making us some money. We'll give you a 3% commission based yeah, on our victory. I love it. Great insight. I love that we both took Texas Tech to win the Big 12. Um, if we, I'm if actually I, very scared as a K-State fan for that game in Lubbock. I will not be in attendance because I do think they will probably lose. Well, hopefully um, you can join us again at some point during the season. But also, if this parlay hits with these three underdogs winning outright, uh, your phone will be blowing up for a while probably from me and Hutton because we'll have won uh, some decent money on not laying a lot of money right. on, that, on that parlay. Kelly, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Enjoy the long weekend. Thanks, guys. Have a great weekend. He's the host of Bet On It, Kelly in Vegas. Follow her on social, Kelly in Vegas. She makes it simple. Very Coming simple. Up, uh, in about 25 minutes, Danny Cannell will join us. And when we return, a college football program in need of an exorcism. That's where we start. Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow rolls on across the Outkick Network. Outkick Network.